Hello and welcome to the Who Shelf Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Matt Greenfield and my guest in this episode is YouTuber and radio producer Philip Hawkins. Philip has been talking about all things pop culture on YouTube for years with a particular focus on Doctor Who and Star Trek. His most recent series, Canon Updates, is a weekly roundup of all the recent Time Lord Victorious releases for those who need a bit of a primer. He's here to talk about his favourite Doctor Who book, The Pirate Loop by Simon Garrier, and his favourite non-Doctor Who book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by the late great Douglas Adams. Phil, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So let's start by talking about your YouTube channel. Um, I had a, did a bit of research and um, by the looks of it, you start the first video on your YouTube channel is an ice bucket challenge, which <laughs> yes. should date it pretty, pretty quickly. What was but, um, that? That must have been 2014, I think. 14, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Oof. But it looks as though it was only about three years ago that you started doing the con- sort of content you do now. I think the yeah. first one I saw was the Mondasian Cyberman video. So how did that all get started? Well, yeah, initially, I mean, those first few videos that are, that are still live on my channel were just, were just places for me to dump video that I had done for stuff. I wasn't envisioning it being a channel that people would subscribe to or anything. They were just something for me to dump that. So there was that. And um, I think I did a little vlog type thing about going to Carfest or something ridiculous. Um, and then I, I wanted to do some, I can't remember which way around it happened. I think I did do the, um, some Doctor Who stuff first. What happened was I was a guest on my friend's channel, uh, who was doing at that point weekly reviews of new Doctor Who immediately after the episode aired. And it was, the format was him and, um, him and his friend, him and his flatmate on their couch immediately afterwards talking through the episode. And they had quite a, uh, a sort of fun light-hearted format for it and I get sort of went on a couple of times as just an extra person that they had um and really enjoyed it and then I kind of pitched it to them I was like this is quite fun we should do this for the classic Doctor Who as well and then uh they were up for it so I was like I can I, I've got I've kind of got a channel set up that I don't do anything with why don't we just put it on my channel and um and that's what we did I got them to come around we we basically did several mammoth sessions of watching classic Doctor Who all night, basically. So they would, because I don't live in London, they live in London. So they would, they came down, stayed the night. We watched through maybe like three serials in one night and recorded a review after each one. And we did that various weekends over the space of about six months. Um, and then... Which ones were they? Uh, we started at the beginning. So the idea was to work ah. our way through it. So it started with an unearthly child and then work, the idea was originally to let's work our way through the entire classic series. And that eventually fell off a cliff. But famous uh, last words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that went on for um, uh, a little while. And that was quite fun. Um, amongst that, I was doing non-Doctor Who stuff. So in 2017, so this was about 2017. And I started doing this weird thing where I just had it's this idea that I'd had in my head for about 10 years that I wanted to celebrate a different random holiday every day of the year and I was like at various points in you know over the last 10 years I was like I could write a book about it or I could you know blog about it or and then eventually it turned into me actually doing it and it 
I was like, by that point, I'd started the Doctor Who stuff on YouTube. I was like, I can use my YouTube channel and just make a little tiny three or four minute video every day about what holiday I'm celebrating. And they were like random things like Burger Day, National Donut Day, things like that. And I just make a tiny little video about it. Um, they didn't do very well. <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> Who videos did much better than that. And eventually making a video every day for them kind of got a bit tedious and all all consuming. So I stopped that sort of around about June that year. So I didn't make it the whole year of those. And then I kind of just transitioned to just doing the sort of pop culture stuff. Unfortunately, but the, the two people, uh, Chris and Rob, that I was doing the re reviews with originally decided that uh, about when we reached Dalek Invasion of Earth, they decided that they had had enough um, and it was just a bit too tedious and a bit of a slog doing it all the time. They would also, they'd also been a bit scarred, I think, because over on their channel, they had just finished reviewing Class. And I think that was the uh, point. I, I don't mind Class, but I think for them, they really didn't like it and it had been a slog doing the reviews. And then at that point, they just called it quits completely on reviewing Doctor Who full stop. So they stopped their channel Rob changed his channel into a travel vlog channel and and they didn't want to do the things with me anymore. So um, that's fair enough. You know, can't make people go on forever. So I decided that I would carry them on. Um, and also I'd started doing other Doctor Who content as well. I'd started reviewing the, the uh, new episodes myself by myself and little bits of other videos here and there. And um, uh, and then I kind of fell into a pattern with the uh, the Doctor Who rebrief, which is what I was calling it, because their original one that I'd guessed it on was Doctor Who debrief. So the, I, the it was kind of a play on words um, that I would have a guest with me each time. And that kind of got me through another another sort of quarter of the Hartnell area before it teetered off an edge. And I've actually got one that I recorded a year ago um, that I have not yet actually put out on my channel because it's, it's just sat there on my hard drive not edited which episodes are you talking about the chase ah so that's how far i've got and it took from 2000 <laughs> for, what's that three years it's taken me to get up to the chase in that series <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been quite slow progress but i you know i gradually moved over to doing uh, diversifying out to sort of not just doing reviews but doing a bit of law videos and um and news videos and branching out from Doctor Who as well into other pop culture things so that I enjoy. So uh, it, it kind of the other stuff that was quicker and easier to make and less logistical to arrange kind of income took up all my time. So I like that series. I do intend to get back to the to the classics and reviewing them at some point, but I'm not sure when it'll have to be after lockdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um. Generally speaking, in terms of pop culture stuff, you tend to cover Doctor Who and Star Trek. Um, how have you been finding like um, the new Star Trek stuff? Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, um, yeah, Doctor Who and Star Trek are probably the two main things. I'd say Doctor Who is probably about 50% of my channel. And then Star Trek is probably about another 20%. And then the rest is, is other pop culture I like. Star Trek, I really like Lower Decks, which is the new animated series, um, which has been on in America. And that... I'm not going to tell you how I managed to watch, but <laughs> I have. I, it's very good. Let's just say um, that's very good. Uh, I like Discovery. I thought it started off quite weak, but it got a lot better very quickly as the first season carried on and 
the second season was a massive improvement. Um, and yeah, Picard, while I think the ending was a bit flawed, was quite good. I enjoyed it. I, it was nice seeing Picard again. So yeah, I think we're in a bit of a golden age of Star Trek and we, in the sense that there's so many different series out at the moment. We got, I think there's five or six in production at once at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a 90s resurgence, isn't well, it? It's more than the 90s, because in the 90s, you only ever had two two shows and a movie in, oh, in production at once. And now you've yeah. got like five and potentially a movie. I'm not sure if they're still doing that, but... Um, you have to see. I mean, Quentin Tarantino is supposed to be doing one, I think. I, don't know. I, I had heard that rumour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll actually go ahead, that one. No, we'll have to see. Um and like me, you've been covering the Time Lord Victoria stuff. Um, do you want to talk a bit about your about uh, your canon update series? Yeah, I wanted to do. I wanted to cover the Time Lord Victoria thing because it's such an ambitious project, and it was really exciting when I first found out about it. I years ago, um, uh, I'm going to age myself here, but back in back when series two or three was on the air, I was doing my university dissertation, and I did it on transmedia storytelling which is basically what this whole event is it's telling it's you know different media linking into each other to tell a story over over various different mediums um so if this had been around when i was writing my dissertation that would have been absolutely amazing as a case study <laughs> i did i did use a bit of doctor who stuff because I, I talked about the websites and stuff that were around when series two and three and stuff were on they made um uh, but this would have been absolutely fantastic. So when they announced it, I was really excited about it. But I didn't want to just cover it by reviewing each uh, thing because I thought loads of people are going to be doing that anyway, um, I... such as yourselves yeah. on on um, on Who Shelf, and uh, and I just wanted to find a, di a slightly different way of doing it. And as there was so much being released, and I had seen people mention about the price of it all because it was just there's a lot of it and it all adds up and as individual items they're all very reasonably priced they are what you would expect to pay for the type of item you are buying but but obviously that quite adds up so there was always going to be some people that would be like people that really like the audios that would just buy the audios and wouldn't buy the books or wouldn't buy the comics and they would just get the bits of it that they were most interested in and i kind of wanted to provide a resource for those people so that they could find out what how the other ones linked in to what they were getting um, without, you know, being completely confused. And I know it's written and it's all constructed in the way that they are individual stories and they they can absolutely be uh, consumed without knowing without having the other bits. But I, I know I would want to know the whole lot because I'm a completist um, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford to buy everything, but not everybody might be able to. So I just wanted to provide that resource. And I thought that was a different take on it that not many people would be doing. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think I, I can sort of see what you mean. I've not, I've, um, been following most of it for who shelf mostly just so I can interview the authors cause reviews are later like, a little bit played out. Yeah, I, can't, I definitely can't afford to go and see Time Fraction next year. I, I don't, I'm not interested in the um, figurines. Oh, yes. Well, I wasn't going to buy the figurines until I found out that there's part of the story in there. And they, so they got me. 
and because uh, there's little short stories in there because I'm only really interested in the narrative uh, of the actual story. So I wouldn't have bought the figurines because I'm not a figurine collector. But now that there's those short stories in there, I kind of want to know what happens in them. So again, there might be someone else like me who's like always like yourself. There's not a figurine collector that wants to know what's going on in that story. But so hopefully I can tell them the important points of that. And I'm not going to go like an, a really in-depth synopsis and go, this is absolutely everything that happens. But the important points of how it links in. Um, uh, yeah, it, hopefully that will be useful to people like me who wouldn't normally buy the figurines. Sure. I mean, I, like we were saying just before I started recording, you know, I've, I didn't know there was a comic creator story out there that I, I realized because of your video and um, a lot of stuff that even within the stuff I've seen, like I've um, heard the short trips that were released last week and I've read the novel and just a few little connections in there that weren't quite there. So it's good to have that sort of, um, sort of high level view of the whole tapestry without necessarily, like I say, you, you don't spoil the details. So, so yeah, I do find that very useful. And speaking of the short trips and today, I think was today, wasn't it? Um, the first big finish title of Victorious Audio came out. We should probably talk about today's news because we've both covered it on Ooh, our yes. various outlets. Um, and for those who weren't paying attention this morning, this afternoon, um, the War Doctor is back. Voice actor Jonathan Carley has been cast as the War Doctor in a new series. Uh, this obviously isn't the first time Big Finish have recast Doctors. Um, Tim Trelaw famously plays the third Doctor in the absence of John Pertwee. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Phil? I'm really excited about it. I love, um, I loved the John Hurt War, uh, War Master, I was going to say, War, War Doctor sets. Um, uh, and I'm always keen to have more time war stuff. I I think there's, there's always, because it's three years ago since uh, John Hurt passed away, and I think there's always going to be some people that will say that's too soon. And I think that's going to happen whenever you do it. There's always going to be somebody that thinks it's too soon. I think that effectively it's important just to make sure you've got the right person to inhabit that role and to take that forward. Um, and from everything that I've listened to so far, because he, the actor, I think was the uh, the one that was in the um, Doctor's Assemble um, lockdown thing as well, playing the War Doctor. And he was really good in that. I didn't realise this until somebody pointed it out to me. Um as I was sort of just writing up my notes for the video, that that was him. So uh, he was really good in that. There's been a clip released and he seems like a perfect fit. So I think they found the right person for it. And it makes sense to do it when you found the right person for it. So I, I when I made my video earlier on today, it was literally fresh off the news. So I was still a bit unsure and I hadn't really had much time to think about it. So I think in the video, I said something along the lines of like, I'm honestly not sure how it, whether or not I feel it's too soon or not. But having pondered it a bit more, I think it's definitely given the sort of caliber of the voice actor that they've got and how well he does the voice. I think it's it's absolutely fine. I think it's 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 great that they're doing it now. Do you think there's an argument for, irrespective of how you feel about recasting John Hurt, it's a weird thing to say, um, do you think there's an argument for, in the War Doctor's case, maybe leaving him alone just as a character 
give you a bit more mystery or do you not feel that's necessary no i don't think so because i think however long however much you do there's going to be some mystery because there's just so there's there's inevitably going to be so much story there because we know that from the night of the doctor that he regenerated into a young man and we know by the time that he reaches the age that he regenerates he is a very old man and therefore for for a time lord to age that much physically that must be a very long time that that incarnation has lived so there's there's so much however much of that story big finish end up telling there's going to still be massive gaps in it then they're never going to completely fill his entire uh, regeneration his entire incarnation so i there will always be some mystery there and i'm i am someone who likes i love it i uh, when the when the gaps get filled anyway i i'm not i i'm not someone who thinks that the mystery is better necessarily i like finding out what happened when something's hinted at i like finding out what happened so the fact that the audio clip that they released was about the moments immediately after the night of the doctor uh, that excites me because i want to know what happens immediately afterwards that is going to break a lot of and i speak from experience here that is going to break a lot of fanfic writers hearts though because i've read at least 12 fan fictions <laughs> where the immediate aftermath of the regeneration is explored. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I'm of the same mind. I like the, I like the, um, I don't know if it's ever been done in any other media. You might know this. I don't know if it's ever been like covered in like the comics or anything. Not that I know of. I know okay. we've seen sort of baby faced John Hurt in a few comics, but I've not read them. I'm not a big comics fan. Um, but, um, yeah, for me, I'm a huge War Doctor fan, but I've written mostly fan fiction, so um, this is going to be fun. Um, so let's move on to your first pick for a book. Mm-hmm. It's about Desert Island Discs, this. Um, <laughs> Do I have to pick first luxury Doctor- as well? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, your first Doctor Who book is The Pirate Loop by Simon Guerrier, who I should emphasise for the sake of the listeners, He's not paying for this. We've had two Simon Garrier books in a row. It's been a complete coincidence. Simon's fine with it. I tweeted him the other day. He's absolutely happy. <laughs> but I swear to God, he's not paying me for this. So um, the Pyro Luke came out in 2007 and features the 10th Doctor and Martha Jones as part of the new series Adventures. I think this was Simon Garrier's first new series adventure book that we'd written hundreds of books before that. Um, do you want to walk, take us through the plot? Yeah, so it finds the Doctor and Martha um, sort of crash almost into a ship. Um, they try and land on this ship. They're, they're heading to this ship, the Brilliant, or the Brilliance, um, to, uh, to, to to have a fun time, basically. Uh, the Doctor, it's a bit of a mystery. The, the, it went missing in... The Doctor knows that it's destined to go missing at some point, and... And though initially he's very hesitant to go there, the Martha knows he really wants to solve that mystery. So she teases it out of him and eventually he agrees to go there. And they end up in the um, sort of engine room of this thing where they find out that the engine is somehow malfunctioning. And they can't get out of the room initially because there's this weird membrane over the doors, the teleport, there's something wrong with the teleporter, so they can't teleport up to the bridge. Um... And what it transpires is there's basically the it's a it's an experimental engine that has somehow malfunctioned, and I don't think the TARDIS arriving helped. 
uh, and they're kind of out of the bits of the ship are running at different speeds. So you get this slightly timey wimey aspect to it where the Marth Martha goes in uh, through the manages to get through this membrane to the rest of the ship first, but she ends up sort of three hours. But that even though the doctor immediately follows her, she ends up three hours before the doctor arrives. So you and, and the the novel quite cleverly, I think, goes back and forth between these two time frames. So you get the sort of you, you get Martha's bit and then you get the doctors, which is three hours later. And then the next chapter, it will go back to three hours before again, which I found quite an interesting sort of uh, sort of narrative device. Um, and it's this sort of cruise ship, party ship type place. And they get this at the same time as the doctor arrived. So did these pirates and the pirates are basically giant badges, <laughs> giant pirate badges. And this is the main reason I love this. It's just they, they've been tasked with um, stealing the experimental drive. They uh, they hold the crew, host the, the well, the passengers hostage. Um, including Martha, who has been uh, sort of captured by this point as well. Um, and then throughout the book, you get Martha sort of, well, obviously they're trying to solve out what's going on. Martha's doing a lot of interacting with the badges and, and kind of humanising them a bit. And by the end of the the, the book, I don't, am I getting ahead of myself? Do you want that? <laughs> by the end of the book, the badges are kind of like the good, have joined the good guys and they're... Um, and the Martha's sort of helped bring them around and make them realise that, you know, that, that being a pirate isn't a, a great thing. I think you have me at uh, Space Pirate Badges. Yeah, I mean, Pirate Badges, <laughs> it's, it's basically the thing that makes me, this one of my favourite Doctor Who books is the fact that it's the, got the Pirate Badges in it because they just, they're so funny. And uh, they're kind of, they're, in terms of personalities, they're described as like teenagers. So... They're very naive, very humorous, and they they keep the sort of bumbling teenage idiots, really. And and quite consequently, they can be manipulated by Martha and stuff as teenagers, as like teenagers would be, by a by an attractive woman. Does that have anything to do? Is that a link back to? Cause I believe in terms of um, when this takes place in Martha's timeline. This is quite late in her time with the Doctor. It's definitely after human nature, according to the TARDIS wiki. Yes, because actually I made a note of that because it's... Um, uh, I love to know where the things come in people's timelines. So, the, yeah, it makes a reference. Martha makes a reference to... Um, some Somebody's acting quite demeaning to her and she says that it's not as demeaning as when she had to... Or she hadn't been demeaned that much since she had to clean a school floor. So that's the reference to... Um, human nature so is her um how martha deals with the the badger teenagers a bit of a reference to that like she's used to dealing with kids at this point so yeah true yeah although it's yeah it's kind of she deals with them in a kind of certainly initially i mean i haven't i should stress i, I i'm not a person that tends to reread books even ones i really enjoy and so i haven't actually fully read this book since it came out in 2007 but i have in preparation for this, read as much of it as I could quickly read in time. And uh, and so I, I'll be more familiar with some of the bits that I uh, skimmed back through than others. 
But yeah, at the very beginning, she's kind of, when she's left alone with one of the badgers, she uh, acts very flirtily towards him to try and manipulate him into um, initially trying to get him drunk, presumably so that she could then disarm him. That doesn't quite work. But he, she does manage to start to manipulate him to be a bit more kind to the other passengers that he had previously been threatening. So how did you discover the book? When, when was your... Well, at when this did you point, read it? I was buying all of the new series adventures as and when they came out and just reading them straight away. So I was it was just another one of the ones I picked up. Um, uh, so... But it's the one from that era that sticks in my mind and has always stuck in my mind the most uh out of any of the others like that so many of the new series adventures that if you asked me even if you gave me the title of them now i wouldn't be able to tell you what happened in them even though i've read them because it was so long ago but this one i can you know there's several things that majorly stick out like the badges <laughs> it does it also helped that for many years uh, I'm not, i don't think it, is it anymore no i think it still is actually simon's um avatar on social Soma's profile picture on social media is a cartoon version of a badger in a spacesuit. I think that's still Is the that case. what that is? Yes. Yeah, that's from the I I'd always associate because he uses it on everything, doesn't he? I've always associated Simon's social media presence. I sound I sound vaguely cyberstalkery now. <laughs> um with um with the badger thing he uses, but I had no idea that was uh reference to his book yeah it's a reference to this that character in his um profile picture is meant to be one of these badges oh nice <laughs> so um oh that's uh so you didn't know that that's new information yep um so is simon Gurrier's um have you read any other of simon Gurrier's books yeah i've read all of his new series ones i haven't read the one that uh, featured on your last episode um with sophie i haven't read the time travelers i know despite the fact that i've had it on I've had it, I own it, and I've owned it for over 10 years, but I <laughs> I own about <laughs> probably about 200 Doctor Who books that I haven't read. <laughs> so nice. I, um, I, you know, I'll get around to it. I definitely intend to get around to it at some point, but uh, trying to keep up with the new series ones kind of occupied most of my time. And then also reading the eighth Doctor Adventures was the sort of my other strand that i was mostly focusing on reading um uh, for many years so i haven't got around to it but i've read um God, i'm trying to remember what there's uh the slovene excursion i think it's called where he goes back to ancient greece i think i think it's greece not rome it's one of the two um um and i'm sure there's one more oh what's the other one you probably i i can't remember the other one but there's definitely one more as well um in the new series line i don't think there is oh, sorry i'm just there? going to be okay. wiki yes it's in my research moment um maybe, not in the new series anyway he's definitely um he's written and some I've, uh audio yeah i've heard a lot of his audios as yeah. well um i think at the time that i first met him i'd only read this one i can't remember if the other ones had been out by that point um because funny story he his wife worked at one point with my now wife she was my girlfriend at the time in a museum so i was randomly at a uh, sort of a, a, out in for drinks with my wife on a works night out and she sort of said oh simon um debbie's husband writes doctor who books and i was like really <laughs> 
that's interesting. Which ones do you write? And then it was like, oh, that's one of my favourite. Excellent. <laughs> and that's what happens. I think it, I know you don't live in London, but it seems to happen a lot around here. Those, those sort of weird coincidences can, like, do happen sometimes. It's very strange. They do. Um, and I was living in London at the time this happened. So, yeah, maybe it does happen more often in London. But uh... Yeah, so um, you, you read all the new series adventures as they were coming out. Um, was that because you wanted to keep up with the extra story? You were found, I mean, you were a fan of the new series. Yeah, I had started reading the eighth doctor stories i think my first doctor who book i ever read i'm trying to think it was quite late i was in university and i just came across a couple poundland had some doctor who books and i'd already always seen these um past doctor adventure and eighth doctor adventures in the library and kind of browsed them and thought oh because i you know i'd like doctor who but i'd never read any of the novels and i always thought oh i'll read these one day and then i'd never done it and then i was just in my first year of uni, I think it may have even been the first week I was there and hadn't got a hadn't got the internet at my house or anything and uni hadn't started yet. I was there a week early and I just came across these books and then I bought two of them. One was an Eighth Doctor novel and one was a Sixth Doctor novel and devoured them. Um, and then I was like, oh, I've got to start reading these. And then so when the series started again the next year... Um, Again, showing my age. Uh, uh, the, I'm so uh, <laughs> the I and they started releasing these novels as well. I was like, oh, this is this is a chance to get in on the ground and not get behind. Because I knew how behind I was on the Eighth Doctor novels. So I thought if I can start and just get them as they come out, I won't get behind. And that worked for several years until life got in the way and uh, family and kids took up more of my time and then I did get behind but um, yeah them. that's kind of how I got into reading them I still have them yeah is that is that what you asked sorry yeah yeah sorry. <laughs> yeah yeah no I have them most of them are up the loft in a in a box I've actually recorded a video uh, which is uh, a Doctor Who book collection video um I've recorded it again it's half edited on my computer at the moment so I recorded it about six months ago so it's already out of date but where I will get finished getting rid of get um, editing that and getting it out on my channel at some point. But I think oh god, how many books did I have? Did I count them? I it's it must be about three hundred books, and most of them are in boxes in my loft because I don't have the shelf space for them. Nice. But. I think as an indication of how long it's taken for that video to get recorded and for this to go out when. When I first asked you to be on the podcast, you were making that video, and we're both, oh, yeah. we're both late. Um, so, do you have any other favourites in the new series adventures? Um, oh god, or any range really, but yeah. Um, do I have any other favourites? I'm trying to think of the ones that come to mind. I liked. There were some good other good. There were some other good early ones. Um, how the, I think it was either the first or second batch of the new series ones. There was one with like, was it called Only Human? Yeah. Uh, there was, is that the way where there was like a caveman? They end up befriending a caveman. It also had Captain Jack in it as well. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. Um, I really liked actually fairly more, much more recently. I really liked the, um, the sort of trilogy that they did with the 12th Doctor. Uh, the Glamour Chronicles, I think uh, it was called. Yeah. That I really liked, yeah, and was... especially um, the Big Bang Generation, which had Bernice Summerfield in it. Yeah, that was a great one. I, 
I, I'm not a massively au fait with Bernie Summerfield. I've listened to a couple of the audios. I've never read any of the uh, new series of engines with her in, but I knew her significance and just the fact that they were tying these two eras of the books together felt really significant at the time and made me want to go and, and find more Benny stuff to read, to listen to and read. If I'm remembering correctly, that ties in quite drastically to um, the audio series, the big finish series they had of Benny. A lot of the characters from that make their sort of BBC books appearance. Yeah. From what I gather. Yeah. They get their lot. Uh, they, a lot of her supporting cast were in this book as well that was probably i mean gary russell i believe has worked quite a lot on who who wrote me bang generation was uh a big creative influence on the benny summerfield series so it makes sense that he would get to uh use his own characters i can say about another i I thought of another book from the new series of ventures if i could talk about that um the uh the i can't again i can't remember i i struggle with remembering what the names were of each one sometimes they blend together but there was a dalek focused new series adventure that was written by nick briggs um and i can't remember the title of it now but i remember reading it and thinking that was really good but it makes sense that it's really good who who knows the daleks better than nick briggs <laughs> that is true yeah it's always interesting when um i know you know nick briggs is a very well established writer as well as an actor but um i always find it interesting when a character when one of the performers on the show takes on a story focusing on their character. Um, I suppose the most prominent example recently has been um, Sophie Aldred writing a whole Ace novel. Not only that, but sort of launching her own sort of potentially spin-off featuring Ace. Um, you'd imagine that sort of thing being something that the show would set up and then let Sophie Aldred run with what they, within the framework of what she said, what they said. Um, but did you did you read um, At Childhood's End? I have it. I have read half of it. This is another um, thing where my life has gotten in the way a bit. And uh, I, I I was there on the day that she did. I went to the Forbidden Planet signing. And so I got a signed copy there and I started reading it that day. And I just I got about halfway through and just life got in the way. And I found uh, I had a new baby um, and the uh, back in March and the what when I did most of my reading, the two places I did most of my reading were either on the commute to work uh, or in bed before I went to sleep. Now, the commute <laughs> to work has completely disappeared. <laughs> Thank you, coronavirus. Um, and uh, in many ways, that's good, but it has lost me my reading time. Um, and also because for up until literally a couple of weeks ago, we had the baby in our bedroom. When we went to bed, we just had to go to bed and turn have the lights off. So I couldn't do any reading there either. So for about the last six months, I haven't really gotten any reading done at all because I just had the places where I would usually read have been unavailable to me. <laughs> so, um, so I do have it. I'm halfway through. I will finish it now that um, my son is in his own room. I will inevitably try and crack on with that, although it might have to wait till after Time Lord Victorious has concluded. Well, it sounds like you've got... Um hundreds of books to get dodgy books to get through so uh just how you prioritize it i guess i'm say i'm saving them for retirement (laughs) yeah exactly um so let's move on from the pirate loop to the pirate planet (laughs) i hate myself um your non-doctor who book um choice was the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams um yeah yeah (laughs) 
it's a bit cliche. <laughs> I mean, we have to talk about Doctor Who connections somehow, so it all fits. Um, this was the, are you, I don't actually ask, are you, are you talk, trying to talk about the specific book or the whole, Well, either way is fine. I don't know. Am I, oh, is that okay? I, I will pick the whole series if I can, because um, in a similar way to this one, I, and, and again, I don't really reread books because mainly because I think I've got so many other, I've got 200 books up in the loft. I can't, I haven't got the time to reread books. So uh, I haven't read this book or this series of books in probably about 10 years or maybe even 15. Um, it's been a long time. So they kind of, in my mind, blur into one. Like a lot of the plot points, I couldn't tell you which book they happen in. Like, I remember them. Some of them are obvious. I mean, obviously, they're at the restaurant at the end of the universe. In the book, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of the other plot points, I'm like, oh, what book did that happen in? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it was five books released between 1979 and 1992. So, yeah, you could be forgiven for that. Um, yeah. Did you read the sixth book released in 2009? Yes, I, I did. I did. I bought that when it came out. Um I thought it was good. Like, again, it was a while ago, so I can't remember it very clearly. But I vaguely remember thinking, it's a good book. I don't think it's quite up to the standard of the other ones, but that's probably to be expected. And it was still enjoyable. I I don't know if I could tell you what happened in it, though. (laughs) How did you come to Jikers originally? How did you discover it? Originally, it was via the radio um series so the original radio series that came before the books my dad had them on cassette tape so when i was quite young i just vaguely remember he must have put them on one day either he put them on or i found them on the shelf and liked the cover or something but i listened to them thought it was very funny and then i must have been about when i was about 14 i was going on holiday um somewhere And at the airport, I was looking for a book to read while on holiday. And there was the Omnibus edition, the trilogy in four parts, as it was then, Um, because it was before the fifth book came out, which must mean it was before 1992, I guess. So, no, that can't be right. I must have been older than that. Maybe there was just a, they just hadn't combined it with the, yeah, because I was definitely a teenager and I wasn't a teenager in 1992. I'm not that old. Uh, (laughs) uh yeah so i yeah i got i got picked that up and i just absolutely fell in love with it and it i would say it's the book that most made me feel like i could probably get into being a writer uh as if i want you know it felt made me feel like it made me inspired to write that's probably the better way of putting it, it made me feel like in the because lots of other books had been like uh, like I'd really enjoyed the stories and stuff and may, you know, they may have made me think of my own stories, but this one kind of made me feel like, Oh, I want to start writing like this. And for many years I tried to emulate Douglas Adams style, which is a bit of a folly because nobody can ever do Douglas Adams style anywhere near as good as Douglas Adams. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and eventually I sort of moved. You probably still find traces of it in my writing, but um, I, I definitely moved away from it because you just can't do it justice. Um, so 
I, yeah, I just loved the way the language flowed. It just felt really easy to read, but also really clever. I just really, yeah, really liked it. It's probably the most engaged I'd ever been with a book up until that point. Had you, um, or have you, I should say, seen the TV series and the film? I hadn't seen the TV series. Um, I have seen the film with Martin Freeman, which I really enjoyed and was disappointed it didn't get a sequel. Yeah, well, you know, still time. Martin Freeman's still looking. Well, actually, well, never mind. I'm mostly surprised it hasn't been a, an Amazon series or something yet, but I think that might be a copyright thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, imagine, yeah, that I, I, it does feel like something that a streaming service would jump on, doesn't it? We should probably look at the, the um, unavoidable Doctor Who connections between Hitchhiker's uh, Guide to the Galaxy and Doctor Who. Um, obviously, Douglas Adams was a writer for Doctor Who, uh, who wrote The Pirate Planet, hence my bad joke earlier, uh, City of Death and Sharda, and was the script editor for the 17th series in 1979. Um, and in fact, I think a lot of the ideas he used for, he pitched to Doctor Who production office, got turned into Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books later on. Yeah, and not only Hitchhiker's Guide, but also um, his other series, Dirk Gently's Dete Holistic Detective Agency as well, because I think a lot of Sharda got repurposed for that. Um, You've got a good idea, you might as well reuse it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think, I mean, for you, is it that, what is it about Hitchhikers and Doctor Who, is it what, about Douglas Adams's sense, like, writing style that sort of appeals to you, do you think? Um, the Britishness. I suppose it's yeah it's very it's very witty um and it's kind of it's kind of got that absurdness to it sort of like Monty Python as well the kind of like wacky absurd but witty and charming and all of that rolled into one um and partly I think that's why I like the pirate loop as well because those those badger characters kind of feel like they could be from a, a Douglas Adams book they they absolutely would fit in perfectly at the restaurant at the edge of the universe or anything like that. So I think that's why I like that book so much as well. Uh, and yeah, just that kind of crazy, like, odd humour. It is very British. And uh, I, I don't, yeah, I, I just really, really, I just really find it funny. I said he was working on more hitchhikers and more uh, dirt gently when he passed away, but he was also a big technologist. Like he was really, he was one of the first sort of writers to really take on, to buy a Mac and to do you think um, if he had survived to work more on Hitchhikers, we'd have more um, multimedia versions of Hitchhikers. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Cause if you look back at like the text adventure game and stuff that he, you know, was very keen on and uh, helped develop and write and things. I absolutely think he would have embraced things like, you know, augmented reality and stuff like that. He would have been very keen on that. And I can imagine, I absolutely can imagine him getting involved with like things like escape rooms and things like that and just different ways to tell <laughs> his stories. It, um, and it would be brilliant. We definitely have a VR game by now. Yes. Have you, um, so... Back in the 70s, Douglas Adams declined, he bucked tradition by declining to turn his Doctor Who serials into novels. Um, something that got taken up in the last few years by James Goss, who is the creative director behind Time Lord Victorious. Have you read any of um, those adaptations? I haven't. No, I, I do 
I have bought them, but they have been added to the pile, <laughs> the big pile of books that I have yet to read. I've got Cricketman and I've got Sharda. Um, but I uh, have yet to get around to reading them. Cricket Men, of course, was another one that got repurposed for um, Hitchhikers. I think it's the third book. Starts with the basically the robots attacking the cricket match. Yeah, it's it is a bit of um, it's a little bit surreal. If you've read those, you've read the books and you've read and you're reading the Cricket Men Doctor Who story. It is very odd to see almost entire scenes with. The fourth Doctor and Romana in place of Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect. Like Ford Prefect isn't, you know, you wouldn't switch out. You wouldn't naturally assume to switch out Ford Prefect for Romana. No, no. When you were see, because I haven't read Crickman, I didn't know uh, which which scenes you're talking about necessarily there. But I was kind of expecting you to go Romana with um, uh, Trillian. You would think, <laughs> but yeah. Is there, are there any, any other kind of books in that sort of somewhat irreverent sci-fi genre that you, you're a fan of that you want to read? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, I don't know, because, again, it's, it, it's a bit like it would feel like they're emulating Douglas Adams a bit. But uh, I haven't watched the Netflix one, but I have watched the BBC. Did you see the BBC one they did? a few years ago with um Paul uh, not Paul um with um oh Steve Mangan no I didn't I didn't even know it existed until a few to what uh, the new one came out I was like there's a whole Douglas Adams TV series I wasn't aware of I don't know how yeah. it happens I, I think um, it only lasted like two or three I think it was like three episodes or something like that if, uh, uh, sorry. so it was like three specials basically um in the way the BBC sometimes do does um no, I haven't seen any of the new one. It, it's it, much like books. I have a Netflix to watch list as long as <laughs> as long as my to, to read list. So it, I have yet to get to that. I might do at some point. Well, in terms of Doctor Who books, you can always do what I did and set up a blog that makes you obliged to read them. Yeah, but do you go back and read the old ones or do you just read the new ones? No. Yeah. <laughs> the plan was to actually talk about old Doctor Who books to give myself an excuse to go out and buy them and um but no it hasn't really panned out I've read The Eight Doctors yeah which was meant to be my first of my Eight Doctor Adventures range but it didn't really pan out although I am at the moment for um you know uh Richard Unwin who runs the Sisterhood of Khan oh group. right okay I know the group he's um he's currently putting together a series of articles for a fan magazine I think where he gets a bunch of people who have never read them before to read the Virgin New Adventures. Oh, oh and that that's sounds good. Reading, <laughs> I wasn't, I'd sort of heard of reputations about what um, the Time Worm quadrilogy and how they were a bit more mature. I wasn't quite expecting that. So um, Yeah, because I, I've, I've got a load of those books, but again, I haven't read them. And... Uh, in my head, I will get around to those when I finish the Eighth Doctor Adventures. But given the fact that I've been reading the Eighth Doctor Adventures, gradually working my way through them for the last, oh, about 15 years, um, <laughs> I, I think it's going to take me a little while to get around to the Virgin New Adventures. That's fair. Um, but we're also starting with the Eighth Doctor and going back to the Seventh Doctor, but... Yeah, well, the Eighth Doctor has always felt like my Doctor because of the, because of the age I am. Um, I grew up in the wilderness years, mostly. And 
there i so i was 11 when the tv movie came on so at that point i'd seen doctor who quite a bit i owned a couple of the vhs's um my i think i got introduced to doctor who by my dad who used to watch it when he was a kid so he he i think his era was the poetry era so when the poetry repeats started on um i think it was maybe bbc2 or maybe in the uk gold ones i can't remember which but i i saw a lot of those but so i was quite primed when the tv movie hit to be like hey this is new stuff um and it was kind of the first proper new who that i had really uh, remember seeing on tv live uh, other than dimensions in time which i also remember watching <laughs> um Not a great start to that <laughs> <laughs> but it was very exciting uh dimensions in time i would have been eight so i had the the whole 3d glasses things we had to watch them well that was all very fun um did dimension time make any sense to you at that age having no not really not seen, no. <laughs> i kind of got i i think by that point i owned the five one of the two vhs's i owned was the five doctors so that primed me quite well to understand the concept that there were multiple doctors and they you know were all the same person but ah, they, so that was quite a good one to get to to prime myself for that so when it came to dimensions in time i kind of roughly knew i, I got why they were swapping out and being the same person had different bodies and things like that but it was it was a very strange strange thing <laughs> And yeah, so then the TV movie came along in 1996 um, and I watched it as it went out on the BBC, really liked it. And and when I found out there were novels and later audios, it, it kind of just fell into being my doctor because that's the kind of the first new doctor that had come around in my lifetime. So I believe you play a Torchwood RPG. What is that? <laughs> That is a, so it's a weekly thing. Right at the start of lockdown, um, I saw someone post on Twitter, um, someone that I hadn't actually interacted with before massively, a guy called Antonio. Um, he posted that he was looking for people to play a Doctor, uh, sort of a Torchwood RPG over Zoom. Um, would anybody be interested? Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds really good. I'd recent, fairly recently, sort of about six months before that, started playing Dungeons and Dragons with a, a group of friends at work. We used to, you know, after work once a month, just have a session of D&D. &D. And since lockdown had started, I was missing that kind of role play game thing, which I'd only just discovered. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. And we started playing. Um, it was it's a group that involves some people that people may have heard of, like uh, Sophie Isles, who was your last guest. Uh, she she's in the group playing it. Um, uh, and Dominic Martin, he's uh, the cosplayer. He's in it as well. Um, uh, Matt Chambers and uh, uh, who else? Am I missing somebody? I'm, I'm definitely missing somebody. <laughs> who am I missing? Don't be furious. <laughs> They'll be furious now, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Harry, Harry, of course, as well. Um, so there's, uh, and it's run by Antonio. Um, and then event eventually, the I think the idea, because Antonio, after we've been playing for about a month or so, said, would we be okay recording it and potentially putting it out as a podcast? That hasn't, we've been recording them. There hasn't been the podcast yet, but that might come at some point. Um, so at some point you might be able to listen to us playing. I don't know. 
but it's basically um we are torchwood agents or some of us are torchwood agents that were sleeper agents that got activated uh because something happened i don't want to spoil the plot uh, and it's based on a it's based on a role-playing game called call of cthulhu oh right. um, it uses that system if anybody knows that system it uses that it's quite fun and it's it's good while i'm mostly stuck at home working from home and not having much social interaction outside of my family because because uh, you can't go anywhere at the moment so it's it's a nice little reprieve so are these all original characters you've come up with yourselves or yeah. is it um so no one's no one's um playing no Barrowman. one no one's yeah no one's captain jack or anything ah. it, they're, they're conveniently written out of the potential plot they are stuck in something that we can't get to so that's why we've been activated my character is quite fun because he's got a bit of a split personality thing going on because when he was under um the sleeper agent they the the plot that i came up with for him was that yvonne hartman actually completely reprogrammed him to have a completely different personality and fake memories and so he's got this kind of split personality thing going on which is quite fun to play i I have to admit, I don't really. I've played a few, I've played a few board game things with some friends, but I've never played an RPG. In layman's terms, what does that actually involve? It's basically a group of people sitting around and telling a story together, because it's you, you don't have any pieces. I mean, you have dice, or in the case of our us, we've got a virtual dice, um, and you have your like sheet of paper or online thing which tells you all your stats and what you need to roll to do certain things but other than that you kind of just make it up as you go along you have a in you have sort of a, a dungeon master they're called in D or games master who is the sort of orchestrator of what happens and then the players uh, get to decide what their character does. So in any situation, the, the dungeon master will, or the game master will describe what the situation is, where you are, and, and basically ask, what do you want to do? And then each individual character gets to decide what they want to do. So you can decide to, you know, to interact with your fellow players, or you can go, if you really want to, you go, I'm off by, I'm walking the other direction from them in the yeah, and you kind of do it's storytelling basically, but in it, group storytelling. Oh no, that actually sounds really fun. Yeah, it can be. I was quite. I, it took me a lot longer to get into it than I because it's something that you know to anybody that writes stories as well or anybody that is quite creative. It's a really good outlet, and I'm surprised it took me until my thirties to get into it. <laughs> Well, I'm guessing people will now be eagerly anticipating the podcast of your yeah, adventures. Pressure's and, on now. Yeah, pressure's on to actually do it. <laughs> um, Come on, Antonio, yeah. get the podcast out. Um, well, Phil, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, where can people find you on the socials and on the YouTubes? Um, you can find me mostly on YouTube. My channel is my name, Philip Hawkins, with one L, Philip. So um, that's not very original, but... We'll put a link in the, uh, yeah. in the show notes. And yeah, because I'm sure there are other Philip Hawkinses on YouTube as well. But you should be able to spot me. It's me. My profile picture is me in front of some TARDIS roundels. So it should be pretty obvious which which one I am. Um, and then on Twitter is probably the other place. Um, 
I am, and this is always awkward to say because it's spelt completely differently to how it sounds, because it, it, it is Latin. Um, it's udex underscore Phil, but udex is spelled I-U-D-E-X underscore Phil. <laughs> yeah. I nearly tagged someone I, when I was um, tweeting yesterday to mention your being on the show and what books you've chosen. I did almost tag someone completely different because I assumed it was an L. Yes, lots of people do, because in many fonts, it looks like an L. And it was a stupid username that I came up with when I was at uni. And it's kind of stuck. And I don't know why. It was It's very pretentious as well. It means judge. So it's judge Phil. <laughs> it's so pretentious. But I feel like it's stuck so long now that if I change it, people won't be able to find me. And um, what have you got coming up next on your YouTube channel? Anything we should look out for? Uh, well, hopefully I'll finish editing that book collection at some point. Um, and then... I would definitely be tweeting that. <laughs> and then um, the canon updates for Time Lord Victorious are going to continue as long as uh, Time Lord Victorious does. So into next year, I have pre-ordered most of the stuff, so I should be getting it all. And I've got tickets to Time Fracture, so I'll cover that as well eventually. And yeah, I just sort of... Um, about to start um, this week, in fact, tomorrow, I think, Star Trek Picard, not Picard, Discovery Season 3 starts. So I'll be doing reviews of those as well. Yes. Um, And, you know, any other bits of pop culture news and stuff that comes up, I'll 